All right. Do your do your music and do your wonderful uh, prayer. Um, acknowledging Christ for who He is. All Take right. From Ephesians uh, two, from fourteen to eighteen, the saying is to God being our peace. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in this flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, that make it thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God and one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached, preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. But through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And we thank God for being that peace that you said surpasses all understanding, even in our despairing moment. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there someone else? Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. You can put me on the line. Good afternoon. How are everyone? Uh, Pastor, first I want to thank you for that sermon this morning. I, I really, I, I don't want to be selfish, but sometimes I think it's speaking directly to me, and I really, really think that. There's room in the house. There's room in the head. Just let me know that if I keep on saying it, I can get in that room. I'll be all right. <laughs> I want to just read uh, Psalm 57, the first five verses, and it begins as that. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who have hardly pursued me. God tends his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Psalm 57 verses 1 through 5. The word is already blessed. Amen. 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 We thank God for you, Deacon Booker, and actually continue to bless you, and and, and you're going to be fine. And and and, 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 and Elaine, Elaine, you know. Um, yeah. She's yeah. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yes. Is there someone else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I um I wanted to uh, share with you First of all, you know, like I was saying on Thursday night, I 
I I had no idea that when you know I was just going through different uh, people in the eleventh chapter of Hebrew because this is an important year uh, that we draw upon lessons uh, from the Bible regarding faith and. Um, so, and 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 the impact that fear had has on faith, and um, and so just going through different uh, people, then we got to David, and um, I, I I did tell the class that David would be quite extensive, and uh, and we've been and there now for at least. 13 weeks, 13 lessons. We did break uh, a bit for the summer. And as it turned out, um, a lot of what we're doing with David also coincides with the birth of Christ, Christmas. And if you notice, uh, David is referred to extensively uh, in regards to the birth of Jesus. As I pointed out uh, in the scripture this morning, uh, you know, he's even mentioned uh, in, in, in the in text uh, before, you know, for instance, the genealogy of, uh, of, of Matthew, of Jesus, is even mentioned before Abram, uh, you know, uh, the connection between Jesus and uh, David, uh, and even to this day, uh, how the Israelites, um, well, today we call them the people of Israel, the Israeli, uh, and you've heard me mention this many times, uh, hold David in such great uh, and high regard. But for Christians, you know, this lineage, this promise that was given to David that he would be on the throne and his descendants would be on the throne forever, fulfilled great prophecy, uh, the great prophecy of Jesus, uh, not only coming to earth, not only being born, but being our Lord and Savior and advocate right now before God. And uh, that's a very, very, very important um, emphasis and underscoring that we have, particularly at Christmas time. So it just it fell that way, the way it works out with the life of David. Now, um, we are going to have a break both in Power Hour and in the Thursday night Bible class. But I do want you to pray over the uh, the ensuing days, over the, the holiday celebration, uh, about the things that God shows us and uh, is showing us about David and the parallels to Jesus. And to ourselves and to others. What is God telling us about ourselves 
as we go through the life of David. And like I said, Thursday night, we talk about typology. Those are, those are things that are typical of David to Jesus, things that um, pointed to Jesus as we look at the life of David. But I always said, I also said that there's some antitypical things also, uh, antithesis and antitypical things, uh, because David lied, he died, he lied quite a bit, particularly in the beginning of his life, and his, before he became king. And, but God, Jesus didn't lie. David sinned, but Jesus didn't sin. So the lessons that we get is not just how David was a man after God's own heart and the way he was so devoted to God, so emotional, so sincere. Didn't blame others. I said this over and over in Bible class. Didn't blame others for his faults, his, 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 his mistakes, his sin. He, 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 he took ownership of it. And one wasn't afraid to just let it all hang out there, uh, you know, for God and even for people to see. Uh, so that's some of the great things that we can we can we can understand uh, from the life of David and how it might help us deeply, spirit, deeply and spiritually. So uh, we're going to take a break uh, from Power Hour. Um, we, um, we're going to come back to Power Hour on the 9th of January. So this will be the last meeting that we would have. And we'll come back on the 9th of January. For Bible class, we'll come back on the 6th, 6th, uh, uh, of, uh, January 6th, 6th. Uh, so, um, so we'll, we'll have this holiday to pray over the things that God is telling us about David. Amen. 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 So we can mark our calendars. Um, and for those of you who, you who are, with us on Thursday night and you know we mentioned that in chapter 21 of 1st Samuel uh, how David uh, you know was deceitful he told the king where he went to kind of hide uh, hiding out from Saul with uh, some of his Friends or people who became his friend they were outcast, and um, that he, you know, that he was there on a special mission and so forth, and he asked for bread and so forth. A lot of significance with the show bread and stuff like that. We covered that, and uh, he did it. I mean, in the previous chapter, he he kind of uh, involved Jonathan and telling a lie to Saul to find out whether Saul indeed um, was to prove to Jonathan rather that his father Saul was out to kill him 
he continuously did these things. We noted also that um, when David uh, depended on lies, when he used trickery, when he was deceitful, his fate was not involved. And therefore, we will see how many times he, he kind of regretted it. I mean, it came back to bite him, so to speak. Uh, you know, even in chapter 21 again of First Samuel, uh, he played like he was crazy. Probably wasn't fooling too many people, but he played like, I mean, he acted like if he was crazy. You all know the story. Uh, and um, the the king had to get uh, rid of him out of his place, but that was David's way of dealing with it. I mean, of um, he, you know, he was very suspicious of the king anyhow, and he probably went over there to Goth to try to find a way of maybe getting people to fight with him against Saul, since the Philistine. And the Israelites were, you know, were in a, actually in, at war. Didn't really trust uh, the priest that he first went to over there um, because um, that priest was related to um, to a priest that was a personal priest, so to speak, a spiritual advisor of um, of Saul. So. One, we may make um, excuses or, or try to justify us not doing the right thing. Uh, went over to Nob and Ahimelech uh, the priest. I well, I don't really trust him. I'm going to kind of see where I stand with him. So let me tell him this lie. And so it worked out. Or let me go over to Gath, which was a stronghold of... Um, of uh of the philistine and let me see if i can act like if i'm well let me see if i can get some people to help me uh defend myself against uh saul but in the meantime when they when they don't really it became suspicious of me and wondering why i'm over here uh, you know i act like if i'm a madman and get them to chase me away and don't harm me So, like I said before, those are examples given for us not to follow. And to show that when David acted in faith, all things always work out nicely for him. When he acted with uh, deceit and lies, he find himself running even more. If we look at chapter 22, where we will start today, he had to continue running. So the lies and the deceit then really helped him. But I wanted to deal with uh, chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, just the first few verses. Uh, we are going to be dealing with that uh, when we come back further, particularly in Bible class because it begins some things that's, that becomes quite crit critical in the life of David. Um, and so if we look at uh, 
chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, David went from there and escaped to the cave of Dulam, where his brother and his father's household, when his brothers and his father's household heard, they came down to him, to him there. Every man in distress and every man who had a creditor and every embittered soul, embittered person gathered to him and he became their commander. Now there were about 400 men with him and David went up from there to Mizpah of Moab. He said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you until I know that God will do, that I know what God's going to do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the days David was in the stronghold. I want to stop there, and I just want to share with you some things, like I said before as we break both in Bible class and in Power Hour. And as usual, when we meet again uh, in January for Power Hour, we were calling on different people to make presentations, uh, you know, like we've been doing before. It doesn't have to be something about David. It's about anything on your heart. Uh, I just chose this with David because I know that many of us are also part of the Thursday night Bible class. But the power hour would be in the direction that the law would lead us and we would be calling on different people as God see fit to lead us in any topic and power hour that God puts on people a heart and in the mind and in the spirit. There's a couple of things here, though, like I said, a few things, rather, that I wanted to share with you. One is that you can clearly see another factor in this idea why God states so clearly more than once, David is a man after my own heart. Now, he just finished telling lies and being deceitful. But he identifies with the outcast, the disenfranchised, and people who find themselves in the throes of the hardships of life, in many cases of no fault of their own, in debt because of illness, people losing their job, getting losing their homes, sometimes losing their family, falls into the wrong company, get hooked on drugs, uh, being homeless. This is a, 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 a stalking example of homelessness. Uh, related to us in the Bible. David himself is out there homeless, just like you would uh, always understand Jesus. We spoke about that, uh, you know, 
recently enough that Jesus was a homeless person according to Jesus' own description. So the nice pictures, the nice depiction that we have of Jesus and painting and so forth, they're fine. They're meant to make us feel good and that's wonderful. But the truth of the matter, Jesus says, listen, I have no place to live. The birds of the air, they have places, foxes have places, but you know, Jesus, you know, depended on other people to literally eat what he ate at, at, at Peter's mother-in-law's house or whatever. You know, he just gave himself to the people. Jesus, his ministry to the people. And we can see here in the life of David what's happening through all the stuff that he has gone through. He has learned how to become a person of the people. Now he's anointed. He's chosen by God. He has a good idea that he's supposed to be king. His friend um, recognized that. I'm sure many other people recognize this. Jonathan stated it very plainly. But he's out there. He didn't say or acted in ways that say, well, hey, listen, as soon as God fixed this thing with Saul, I'm going to be king. He didn't, he, I, you know, I really don't want to have anything to do with you riffraff, uh, you outcast, uh, you homeless people. No, he identified himself with them. The second thing is that our David was always a caring person, a considerate person. I want you to pray on this because this, this is serious, serious, serious stuff here. He's the youngest child. He's anointed. Call out by Samuel when his father didn't, didn't even present him before Samuel. Samuel anointed before and anointed him before his family to be king of Israel. He defeated Goliath. He defeated many, many armies of the Philistines. This is the David who is now out there. Not, not only he himself without anything, but because of the blessings of God in terms of being anointed and being loved by God, his whole family, his whole household has not been brought down. They become homeless too. And when you look at the what we know of Jesse, and David's brothers, they had some means, they had sheep, they had, you know, they had a home, they, you know, they, they were living, I would say, a good enough life. But now, because of David's plight and his flight and everything else, David had to 
and get them from their <coughs> home in Bethlehem and ask this king of the Moab people to let them stay with him. <coughs> Sorry. Let them stay with you until I know what God has in store for me. Ah. Taking responsibility about something that was not necessarily all his fault. He didn't ask to be anointed by 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 Samuel. But now because the king of the land, the king of the Israelite, Saul is one hundred and one percent against David, his entire family is in trouble. Now David did not selfishly say to himself, Well, I'm gonna save my neck. No, he was a kind person, a considerate person. And here he's showing some faith, lots of faith, really. He says, I'm going to make sure that my family is safe until all of this works out. Until all of this works out. A kind and considerate person that shows great faith when it was necessary not not just thinking about himself alone and his own safety now let's look at this from the perspective of his family they must have sensed and they must have known that there was something about David that made him a faithful person a person that didn't give up when the chips were entirely down a person that you could depend on if you're his family or his friend he's gonna stick with you so three things one is that he identified with the outcasts, the marginalized, those who were trotted on and society were mean to. And two, he showed that he would be a friend and faithful to his family and to his friends and this is what i would like us to understand you know we can make any excuse that we want and I, you know we do it all the time i do it we make excuses why we couldn't do this and why we can't do that and so forth and so on and things are working against us but it's the faithfulness of david in spite of all of this that 
God, just keep loving Him. And next year, our theme will have something to do with um, mental stability, the mental pressures that we are going through, particularly this time, what's happening in our country and what's happening in the world. Because I want to point out something extra here. I want to, I want to point this out. I've been, I told everyone in the class that we're going to contrast, you know, Jonathan with David and David with Saul and, and contrast them in different ways. Uh, um, Micah with David and just contrast these personalities in the life of David right through until he dies. And, and you see some remarkable, remarkable things. Here is what I want to share with you today. And this is particularly why I chose this subject uh, before we go into the break. Contrast between Saul and David. No question about it. The Bible is plain. It comes up over it comes up over and over and over. Saul is mentally paralyzed. He's he's bipolar. It looks like if we can understand it, look like today we'll probably say he was a schizophrenic, I don't know, whatever label that we might think it fits, you know, who knows? But he had some real serious mental issues. A lot of it came from his fear, uh, you know, lack of faith. A lot of it came from insecurity. And Paul has, Saul rather, has some issues uh, from his growing up. Um, that, that's plain. That's, that's pointed out in the scripture here and there. But when you contrast that with David, who it gives us the impression that he came from a more stable situation, a more stable growing up, more stable family. So one would be quick to say, well, then, you know, he didn't have the same issues as Saul. So, hey, listen, oh, yes, it's not that simple. Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you've come from, where you've come from, Situation in life can get so terrible, so depression, so heavy. It weighs on people mentally. Things happen out of your control. Even the things like in the case of David, that was meant to be good. Who would want to be anointed king? Who would want to be favored by God? Don't we think that with all that pressure on him, 
first of all, being so young, and then getting himself into this situation with Saul. Don't you think that, you know, it won't be a situation in Tropio, your hands and says, Oh Lord, what it is that you have put me into, what it is that I'm going through. No fault of mine, being hunted down like a dog, uh, plots to kill me, attempts to kill me, homeless, running and running and hiding in caves. Don't you believe that David wasn't under some heavy mental stress? So when we think about it, and we pray about it, we recognize something here that the scripture is telling us. That as we remain faithful to God, God keeps us mentally stayed on him. And that's what's happening to David. It's a very distressful time, but he's not acting like Saul. He's acting like David, a man after God's own heart. Amen. And so, whatever it is that we go through the next several weeks or months or whatever, or maybe even days, because we don't know what God is going to do. Just remember that if we are David's, we will never get to a stage of being a 